The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I am Mike just in the nick of time. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 399, Mr. Summage. Huzzah! I really thought that you were not going to make it, uh, really. And, and what's funny is that Shadi was chaining for the long intro. I almost did it because I saw you get up, and I was like, Mike knows this is the short one. And I was like, does Mike know this is the short one? I just wanted to get our guests here to make sure they could join the program at some point. So I had to, had to make a quick little run and then confirm them for the show, and that luckily happened. Oh, wait, we have guests on the show today? We have two guests on the show, yeah. Oh, boy. I wasn't ready for this one. Yeah, just it's what happens ready. when we go early. We're four hours early. If you're joining us uh, early on Monday, thank you for joining us. Leave us a like and a thumbs up on the YouTube video if you can. It really helps us a lot with the algorithm. Uh, Mike, an interesting weekend. Uh, some highs and some lows. Um, I, I don't know which one uh, you want to talk about first, but I know which one you're more excited to talk about track-wise. Yeah, this is well. This is this was a very frustrating week for me. I'm just gonna get right out in front of that. I had, went four out of five in a pick five sequence every single day this weekend, including just some of the most brutal noses. I mean, Ruse losing that race by a nose, that absolutely stung. The next day, the five horse for Camillo sprinting, that one stung. The sequence that we covered, not having the nine in the last, that one stung. Like, it was just all of these just just oh, painful losses all weekend, which is really frustrating when you combine it with CDI just taking a crap on a bunch of different things, which we'll talk about as well. But it was just, oh, man, it was it was one of those weekends. It was. And if you didn't, if you count our reaction, uh, you got to hear along with Aaron Halterman. Uh, we had uh, some very interesting, very blatant, honest thoughts that we're going to reiterate here about what Churchill Downs did. Uh, Charles says he feels you might four out of five is normal for him. It just it, this was one of those weeks. I'm so happy we're resetting to a new week here. I mean, it started out with with that colonial pick five on Tuesday, which was absolutely brutal. And then it just rolled out to the whole weekend. So exciting to get the fresh start here. Get back at Saratoga. I'm already done with Wednesday's Saratoga card, which, by the way, I really like. And last week was great, too. And the, the dudes who bet daily went three, one and one with three horses that were two to one or better. So like the, the best bets were winning. The, the, the sequences were just struggling. So you feel like you're just all over it. And you just you can't finish the job. It's just that's just a really frustrating feeling, especially when it's always happening in the last leg or the second to last leg. Uh, yeah, speaking of the dudes who, or sorry, yeah, dudes who bet daily, the, uh, the CFL bets continue to do really well. So I'm excited about that. Uh, make sure you check those out. That is every Wednesday through Sunday at noon Eastern on the Racing Dudes YouTube channel. It's 15 minutes or so. With uh, it's usually a combination of Mike, Aaron Halterman, Papa Dude shows up, Jared and I show up when uh, schedules allow and give out our best bets. Jared's actually, I think. Uh, record-wise, Jared is the best in the group, so we just need him to show up more. Yeah, I think he's he's eight and two, eight and three now. One of those two for the, yeah. for the overall. So yeah, he's 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 five over five hundred right now, doing very well in that aspect. But yeah, he doesn't show up every day, so I'm not sure if I'm going to give him full credit for it because he just kind of skirts around the days. He doesn't really want to pick anyone. So I mean, if we're supposed to be do two bet daily, you should have more than eleven picks, twenty five shows in. But uh, hey, you know what? Who am I to judge? Listen. That's uh, exactly. You're the, the some of us daily is defined differently than others. You know, it's that an alternative true. definition is what we're talking about here. Uh, we, go ahead. I just say he also probably has the most going on day to day in his life outside of the gambling world. So I, I'm not going to fully roast him for it. <laughs> I was trying to get to that point. We've got uh, some fun and some not so fun to talk about it, but lots of opinions coming at you, and we're going to watch some replays too. So uh, make sure you tune in, strap in. Here we go, right? Is up.
All right, my first race we're going to talk about here, the grade one four-star Dave handicap. And as we, it, this this race, and not just this horse, but this race always uh, has a special meaning for Magic Mike. Sure, we had gets, uh, got Stormy, got her second win in it for episode 300. Now episode 400 is upon us uh, on Thursday, Mike, and Costa Creed, the horse we talk about more than any other horse since the start <laughs> of the show, gets the job done this third start. I mean, we were all over Regal Glory here, admittedly, and, and she just got beat by a better horse that day. Yeah, this was a, an interesting race. I mean, first off, I couldn't be happier that Casa Creed actually won this race. Yeah. In my mind, the clear second choice in the race, Regal Glory, going into the race was the clear class of it. Casa Creed was that that bridesmaid type horse. Uh, this is the third time he ran in this race. He finished third in both of those, and the tactics were different right from the get go here. And I think that's one of the things you got to point out right away. You notice that. Casa Creed took back here and kind of made this a six furlong sprint, which is what he is best at. He's won the grade one Jiper before over at Belmont. And he's like, okay, I'm going to come with one run versus trying to use more of the horse early. The last two times we're in the four-star Dave, Casa Creed was sitting in second or third at this point in 10 horse fields. So bigger fields, closer to the pace and didn't have that sprinter-esque closing ability kind of ran in place down the lane. You saw the kick this time coming from the back of the pack here going a mile. I think the small field really helped Casa Creed because you didn't have to worry about position as much. It was more able to just kind of get your run in. But this was a phenomenal effort. And, and Regal Glory ran well, didn't have that devastating kick turning for home, because right here she's out in the three-pass. She looks like she's completely got this race in hand, and she just couldn't handle the kick that Casa Creed came with. I do think she got a little bored up front, though. You'll note when Casa yeah. Creed passes her, she kicks it back into gear. Uh, I don't think she was expecting someone to fly by like that. Well, yeah, we were talking about it might have, I think, right after the uh, proverbial dust. We're not talking about Churchill. So just proverbial dust settled on this race. Uh, that Yeah, she re-engaged and, and she wasn't used to having a horse pass her on the outside. She's used to the one passing horses. So, yeah, right here she bumps with Mason a little bit, but she's passing him, getting passed. And then, boom, right there. And then you see her engage. You can like It's like a switch you can see turn on. And she look how quickly she goes past the four and the five. It didn't Clearly look the like second. Didn't look like she was going to be a length better than them midway through the stretch. And right. then once Casa Creed passes her, all of a sudden she kind of does kick it up into that extra gear, which is something we've noticed with a couple of horses in the last few weeks. It's interesting to see that happen. Um, but that, that really sets up for the coming from the back of the pack there where you don't have to worry about that if you're coming from last. You don't have to worry about that, that re-engage, that laziness once you hit to the front. So uh, we were correct about fading Mason. Uh, the odds kind of said we weren't the only ones feeling that way. What was he, 2-1 to one on the morning line and 7-2 to two there. Uh, Mason is that classic, I'll call him kind of like a Rock Emperor light even at this point. Maybe next year he can aspire to be Rock Emperor where you know he'll beat the easy small fields, but you put him in against real legit grade one horses. Here he faced two of them. He's third best to them. So uh, Breeders, the conversation right now actually is Breeders' Cup mild, Breeders' Cup turf sprint for Casa Creed because last time out he won the Jiper for the second year in a row, and that's a winning year in for the turf sprint. This is a winning year in for the mile. Uh, the turf sprint at Keeneland, I believe, is five furlongs or five and a half, so it's going to be pretty short. What do you do if you're Bill Mott in the connections, Mike? I'm going to the mile. Uh, I am scared shitless of Golden Pal. That's pretty much my, my handicap of why you yeah. go to the mile and not the sprint. Uh, I think the mile's worth more money. It might be the same. It might be a little bit more. But the mile is definitely more prestigious than the sprint. Um, and yes. look, you just bet the best miler in America, beat the best miler in America in Regal Glory in a lot of people's minds. So you, you just took down the horse that you most likely got to be mainly concerned with versus having to deal with Golden Pal on a speed-favoring, shorter sprint track, right? I mean, Casa Creed winning the Jiper, he won it. I think he's won it twice, but he's won it at least once at Belmont. Yep, back to back. Twice, yep. Yeah, and, and at Belmont, you have that those big, long turns and that big, long stretch. That really, 
heeds itself toward Casa Creed, right? The, the Keeneland configuration for that sprint does not uh, flatter his talents. You are correct. I looked it up. It's a $2 million purse for the turf mile, $1 million purse for the turf sprint, both grade ones. But again, uh, if the race was held at Kentucky Downs, go to the Breeders' Cup turf sprint because they'll call it five and a half and it's like seven. So, with, you know, then you definitely want Casa Creed there, which I think uh, if he runs again before the Breeders' Cup, I think Kentucky Downs is where they're still looking. So it'd be, be really cool, too, if we do get to see him in Kentucky Downs. He loves it there. Um, that's another yep. track that I think really just fits him very well. And I think uh, Marlon makes a, a great comment here. Saez does it again. Yes. We saw Saez switch over to the mount two back. It had been Alvarado as his normal, uh, normal rider and runs a career best buyer, I believe, this out and was second career best buyer last time out. So uh absolutely i'm sorry runs 102 last time out 103 this time out did have a 105 in the jiper but by far two of the three best races this horse has run now with size aboard back-to-back races here uh, this son of jimmy creed just getting better and better and jimmy creed turf does not get enough love this is the reason we started talking about this horse it was first time turf jimmy creed people need to pay attention when jimmy creed kids get on the turf it was i looked it up it was january 5th 2019 mike loved this horse to win the kitten's joy henley's joy was a huge uh like might have been odds on favorite in that race and uh beat him by a neck at 12 to 1 and i remember i had that in the pick three or pick four and i was celebrating in the senior press box and like how did you know to get that and so i just was like i just like like a uh uh I can't think of parrot. I just like just had exactly like it was like you know listening to the Magic Mike show again. So it was great. I took all full credit for it though. Don't worry. That's okay. Hey, you can do whatever you want with Bridman, man. <laughs> no comment there. Uh Casa Creed, Regal Glory. Uh, I think they both go to the mile. Um, no shame here. Regal Glory, you know, this was a little bit of a learning experience too, because she'd never faced the males. Jose Ortiz, it, you know, I, I don't want to say he got outworked, but uh, we, he now learned what happens when she gets challenged by a horse like that. And I think is, is going to be able to help. It was interesting listening to Chad Brown and Jose Ortiz talk a little bit uh, about Regal Glory. She can be a bit of a handful to ride, which I didn't know when you watch Jose Ortiz in these races, you wouldn't know that his hands, those white gloves of his, they don't really move that much, but, uh, any final thoughts before we move on from the four star Dave? Well, we real quick, I got to bring in a guest here. Um, so I, I got a question here for the four star Dave. Four star Dave, do you think Casa Creed should get a, a, a race named after himself in the New York Circuit? He does. There you go. Four star Dave, breaking news. There thinks that Casa Creed should have a race in the Naira Circuit. Fantastic uh, radio for our podcast listeners too. That's wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad we're. I'm so glad I'm rubbing off on you. Yeah, don't worry, we have another guest coming later. <laughs> Oh, I'm scared to see what happens here. Uh, well, a race that wasn't a stakes, but we did want to talk about it because we covered this race in the Magic Mike show, uh, late pick five. About race nine, we had a bunch of older maidens in this sequence, and we were all excited because Todd Fletcher had two, a coupled entry. Unlimited potential was a $750,000 Sunday Union rags. We were like, oh, this is the horse. This is the one. And if he was just the single entry, Mike, yes, he would have won this race by four and a quarter lengths. However... He also had his Stableman Express man in here who beat him by seven and a quarter lengths and gets a 107 buyer for a debut. Are you kidding me? I mean, so just to put in context here, this is the third highest buyer any three-year-old has run in 2022. Any three-year-old in the Derby, in the Belmont, in the Preakness, in the Sprint Race, in any stakes race, any grade one. This is the third highest buyer behind Jack Christopher and Charge It as the top two. Um so wild to do that in a debut, wild to do it at seven furlongs. And man, this is just a really, really impressive race. And if you look at unlimited potential, 
So if you run a 93 buyer in your first start, you win that race 98 times out of 100, 99 times, like ridiculous percentage you're going to win. And yeah. in this case, just a, a phenomenal effort here from Expressman who got up front and just ran away from them. So this was absolutely phenomenal here. And, and it's going to be interesting to see where we go next with both Unlimited Potential and Congressman, because I, I, Unlimited Potential, I think, wants two turns. I think that's why you debuted at seven. And eventually he'll stretch out. Congressman, I mean, sorry, Expressman, I, I, it stakes next from Todd Pletcher. At least that's what that's what we're hearing. Is that correct, Todd? Todd, there you go. Breaking news. Going to send Expressman to a stakes race here right after it. Uh, man, it's tough to get these guests lined up. I'm glad we're able to do it. <laughs> I don't know where we got the budget for this. I, uh, apparently, we had a really good weekend in Saratoga, so that's, that's good news. Um, I mean, just watch this. Off the turn, by the way, at this point, I thought for sure Luda Potential was going to blow right past Expressman. Mm-hmm. Just because he, I mean, I read tipped him out too wide. He'd been saving ground. And then you, you can almost see Expressman going like, like we've done this in workouts all the time. You're supposed to be with me. Come back. Come back. And he's not coming back to us. He just keeps going. It doesn't really get asked either. That's like, we're, no. we're still in hand ride mode here. We get a 107 buyer. And that that's like, this comes back in racehorse time here. Uh, you'll note that they come back 122 and 122 and four. Uh, very, very quick for three-year-olds going this distance. Uh, unlimited potential. For their debuts. Good. On their debuts. Unlimited potential looked good. Like you said, tipped out and looked like we were just going to roll right by and just didn't. Uh, yeah. These two had been working together and had been jointly throwing bullets up. So you knew they both had talent, but I don't think anyone expected quite this. It will be interesting to see see what the, the choice is next, right? I mean, if you want to try and wheel back at Saratoga, it's it's pretty tough. Um, there's not a ton of options. I'm trying to look through the Saratoga stake schedule here and like, I'm trying, there's not really anything that you can wheel back to. So you got to think that we're going to go. I mean, you got the Jerkins on the 27th, but that's way too fast. Um, yeah. That's two weeks. You got to think we're going to see this horse next time at Belmont. Uh, Aqueduct. Aqueduct. It's I'm sorry. Be, yeah, it's, it's, right. it's, it's, no, it's going to be tricky for all of us to remember that. Um, looking at Aqueduct's schedule, uh, you know, if you want to stay at seven furlongs, the Vosberg, um, that's a grade two on October 8th. That's a win in your end for. I think the sprint, right? The Vosberg. Um, so you've got that as an option. Um, if you want to, it depends on how it comes out of it. it. It's hard too, because like you're mentioning, you don't want to wheel them back out of a debut when they run a huge number, because that's how you break this horse. Like you want to yep. make sure this horse has plenty of time to recover, breathe and be ready for the next big effort. And I mean, clearly it's worked so far. You can trust that the Pletcher is going to do that, but if it's going to be stakes next, it's probably the Vosberg on the eighth or else Aqueduct has, the uh what's it gonna be the kelso uh a one-turn mile race on october 29th and that's i mean breeders cup if they go to the vosberg like there and then wins it okay we can go breeders cup otherwise i think that's too much and you can kind of you know kelso would be a good spot for him yep no i agree and and, and as a betting actionable items here right because this is obviously we care about wagering and making some money on this show as well um it's going to be interesting to see how this field gets bet underneath, right? Because this was Southern flag who ends up running third. This was his fourth, fifth start had four eighty plus buyers is still yet to win. Uh, so it's one of those horses where it kind of keeps running well, but not able to get the job done. This was second off a layoff for Southern flag. I am interested in Southern the flag coming back next time out third off a layoff third out as a three-year-old for Bill Mott. seems like the horse did improve, set a career best buyer should take a step forward out of this. Uh, outside of that, I have a feeling there's gonna be a lot of horses to get over bet in this race. Just because those top two put up big numbers doesn't mean the rest of this field was anywhere near them. So it, it's one of those things where I would I'm interested in Southern Flag, but I'm probably fading the rest of this field next time out. Yeah, happy Bob took a big old bounce. Your five to two second choice at a 79 on debut, and then a 68 completely. Well, you know, look who was aboard. It's Flavio Pratt's fault. 
Hey, hey, we we single-handedly rejuvenated Flavian Pratt's career. We weekend. After after the, you know, we really we lit a fire under him. We got him going, man. Gave him some good stinky cheese and he went right to that racetrack and he got the job done. I'm sorry your 02035 didn't uh, get the job done on Port- Portfolio Company tried really hard to lose that race. I'm telling you, man, I, I felt really good about 02035 coming into the lane. It looked like he was going to get the job done. The exact at least paid 31 to 1, which was a wildly nice price for the exacta. So that was that was nice. So we got some. We, I had the exacta cold. We mentioned it cold on on uh, dudes who bet daily. We talked about it on the show last week that hey, this was the horse that, that runs out of it, and it still amazes me. It like this is one of those things. If you're playing a single race bets, it still amazes me. If you go back to portfolio company for a second, actually, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, go back to o two o three o five for a second. So portfolio company goes off at ninety cents on the dollar. O two o three o five two back at Monmouth came out of the exact same race. Lost by two lengths to portfolio company, and he's twenty eight to one in this spot. And they run one two. They literally ran so no one could get within two lengths of portfolio company. And the horse that ran two lengths behind him last time is the horse that runs second this time. And that exacta comes back thirty one to one. Just crazy. And and this wasn't a, a race with uh, this wasn't a stakes race. This wasn't a high level loans. These were a bunch of bad horses. We tried to beat portfolio company in the Magic Mike show. We all said, I mean, you got to use him. But we tried hard to beat him, and, and he tried hard to lose. So it was yeah. at least a good shot. Um, I did want to bring up the third-place horse, Piqua. Uh, I think you used – I didn't because it was first time facing winners, but was interested in seeing this horse. Debuted at Saratoga as a two-year-old, ran well. We don't see him again until he wins at Laurel Gate to Wire. And we were like, you can't win this race, Gate to Wire, like that. So you see Alvarado tries pulling him back, and I thought a very good finish from him. So a horse maybe to take out of this to stable up, I think this is a good one. I agree. I think this is one where, if, especially if you get anywhere near this price again next time out, um, it's a horse that's definitely, yeah, it's definitely worth using. Uh, it was a nice step forward. Good to see him to be able to rate. And this horse has every opportunity to still improve. If you, you look at 0303205, whatever the hell his name is, he's run like 20 times. That horse is that horse is a veteran. That was Pico's yeah. fourth effort, third effort. So he still has much more upside than the other two horses that we we're discussing above him. All right, so that was the fun part of the show. Uh, if you tune out now, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, otherwise, uh, let's talk about Churchill Downs. I well, mean, the, I, the one thing I always say before you you completely obliterate someone or something, you have to say something positive about them. So, Magic, do you want to say something positive about Churchill Downs? Or do you want me to? My positive thing, and I hope I didn't steal, don't steal yours. Um, it was only one day, and it's already over. Okay. It's fair. Uh, I will applaud them for getting going to Penny Breakage. Uh, they are one of the tracks that have moved toward Penny Breakage, and if you've been in the game long enough, you used to have you, you see at ninety nine percent of the tracks that, that everything's rounded out to the dime. That costs gamblers literally hundreds of thousands of dollars a year because that the track keeps that breakage versus paying out to the penny. CDI has made the decision to move a lot of their tracks to the penny, so I will applaud them for moving this this day to the penny payouts at Churchill. I think I, I want to say. Pat Cummings tweeted that it was about $45,000 that was returned to betters today. That would not have been on Churchill Day. So kudos to UCDI for doing it right in that sense. All right, now let's obliterate them. <laughs> okay, there you go. In that sense. Uh, I showed, so I explained what happened to. Uh, oh, to never mind. Magic. I take it back. Kentucky made him do it. So never mind, Churchill. You were I was going to say, <laughs> there we go. That, that, that was like saying, you know, the, the devil's got a lot of problems, yeah. but at least my pores are breathing down here. Like that's what you're trying to say. Like, um, no, I explained to Mrs. Magic what had happened with the track and showed her a replay. And I was like, what? She was like, how is that safe? I'm like, I, I don't know that it was because they took a bunch of races off the turf that were supposed to be there. Anyway, to your point, Mike, uh, if you look here on the screen and podcast listeners, sorry. Um, this is the, uh, the closing odds. 
7.51, 3.78. We're seeing penny breakage here. The, the payouts, um, you know, I'd love to see what they would have been otherwise, but they, you know, your pick four here pays $1,500 and I'm sure that would have paid a, a, you know, a lot less than that without the breakage. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's good to see. Like I said, it costs betters a lot of money. It's nice to see this money being returned to betters pockets because it would not have been. So kudos to the state of Kentucky for doing that. Now, if yes. only they could uh, make it illegal for Churchill Downs to run races. All right. So speaking of that, let's, I'm going to put it on here. And this is just, I mean, it's just terrible. Here's the, the big problem I have with it. It's not even like, I don't know where to start. If you want to, if it's from a betting perspective, not knowing how to handicap at the safety perspective, Mike, I hate that this is a Breeders' Cup win and you're in. We now, yeah. like, no offense to Delika, but if you look at her form, she doesn't really have any race that says she belongs in that race. I'm not saying anybody else in here necessarily does, but this race shouldn't be a win and you're in because look at the, I mean, look at the turf course. Yeah, I mean, this this is worse than the turf course down at Gulfstream. Um, I, I, you know, I know I understand that they, they want to make it as safe as possible and they wanted to run these races at Churchill. This is just poor management. I mean, that's really the, the bottom line, right? Yeah. You don't blame the horses. You don't blame the trainer. You don't blame the connections. So this is just an idiotic idea to come back for one day and run two graded stakes on the turf that you've never, you haven't run on. You have no idea how it's going to play. No idea how it's going to run. It's just, it's just blind stupidity by a managed by a greedy management company. When they have other places, just run this at Colonial. Just, just go to Colonial for the day if you really want to do this. Like there's other ways that you could have made this work, and you literally made as a management company the worst possible decision for everyone involved. And it just creates this this smorgasbord of problems, and, and none of like not one of the biggest ones you mentioned. As a better, you have no clue how this turf course is going to play. Literally, never yeah. seen this turf course before. You've got to come in here and guess. And I don't think either winner changed leads. No one closed an inch. Like it was just kind of ridiculous what you ended up seeing on Saturday. I don't understand this reference quite. I'm a little out of the pop culture, but JL says, "Can we blame Melton John for the turf course like the Bears did this weekend?" Do they? They must have blamed it for something. Like, and this is the thing that makes like, this is just so sad. Is the Arlington turf course was beautiful and luscious, and that was a gorgeous track that was wildly mismanaged managed toward the end of its its lifespan, and that's why it ended up where it did. But like, uh, this is just one of those things where this course is just. To see the Arlington Million run on this turf course makes it even worse as someone who loved Arlington. We had a, a, a listener follower who uh, took went to Arlington track today on, well, on Saturday on Arlington Day to take a picture of the track and send it. And I was like, that looks beautiful, A, first of all. Like, you know, it's still being maintained. Look at this now. Like, somebody – like, I would love to – honestly, I would love to have somebody from CDI who is responsible for, you know – making decisions to come on here and actually explain why they thought this was a good idea. There's, I mean, like, I'm not trying to rip people and not give them a chance. Show up here. Tell us why the fuck you thought this was a good idea because good Lord, it was not. I, I'm, I'm happy that all the horses are, came back healthy because that was a one miracle. Of the big, that's one of the big reasons why they shut down the turf and redid the turf yeah. course. And it seems like that at least worked, but there's so many other issues here that, and it, to me, it goes back to the fact that just this wasn't necessary. You have other racetracks that you can go to that you can run this stuff at. You didn't need to force this down the throat. And one of the best parts about the Arlington Million Festival, which is what it was at Arlington, was it was all of these awesome turf races, right? And you have Colonial right there that you just bought that you could have just done this on. Hell, yeah. you could have run the, run the dirt races at Arlington or at Churchill. 
And you could have run the turf races at Kentucky Downs, and that would have been really freaking cool and made it like that to gone back for the one. I realize they're not all at the same place, but there's ways you could have been creative and come up with awesome, awesome ideas that would have been exciting and fun. And instead, you run two big time grade one races on this. Like it's well, just. There's so many. It, like it, it keeps going. Like you can, we can keep shit against CDI all the show. The uh, they they forced their way into this slot on the calendar. Tracks like Ellis Park, they thrive on the weekends, right? The smaller tracks, they only run during the summer for a few weeks. And so when that happens, um, and you take away one of their Saturdays, you're taking away a lot of money from the horsemen and from the people who work there. And you know, so the CDI can run this. Okay, and then this is what happens. I mean, I, I understand that their egos prevent them from ever admitting that they might have done something wrong. But at some point, someone should have – like maybe the point when you went from having six, five, five, six turf stakes races planned to two because the turf course sucks, you should have just admitted this is a bad idea. We're going to hold it at Colonial or we're going to do something like that. Yeah, Charles says one of the best – without Arlington, I think it might be the best turf course now. I, it's so, just – I, I can't even fathom what the discussion was in the room. Cause at some point there was a board meeting about this. Right. And you have all oh, the executives man. sitting in the room discussing why this is a good idea. And for no, not a single person be like, Hey guys, the hell are we doing? It's like, someone should have said something. I don't know if everyone was scared of the person who thought this was a good idea or what, but man, this is just one of those, it's, it's a head scratcher. And like, you go into it and you go like, okay, I want to be positive about this. I want to be positive about this. And then you look at the card and they're like, made in special weight, 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 stakes race, made in special weight, made in special weight. It's just like, okay, so you didn't even really try from a card perspective. No. Oh, by the way, there's not many horses left at Churchill right now because it's one day only. And then on top of that, it's just, uh, I, I can't. I don't get it. And that's that that's the like this is there's a lot of things I don't get in horse racing. This one is one of those that was so easily avoided, yet you chose to just continue to 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 jam it down, this idea down everyone's throat instead of doing the right thing. Well, all right. I I guess (laughs) if you want to do another nice thing, it was nice that uh, a good person like Al Stahl got a grade one win with a horse that's she's six years old now, five. She's been entering a long time. Delica. Uh, He's kept her. Delica, yeah. I think she's seven. She's old. She's been doing this for a long while. She's still in form. She just usually, when she gets to grade one company, wilts pretty bad. But she always was great at fairground. So it, to the point, Al Stahl Jr., definitely a, a good guy in the sport. So I guess if there's grade one status and money to go to someone, I'd rather goes to him than, you know, no offense to the Brad Cox barn that they just, you know, it's another notch on the wall. Yeah, no, it's a great point. She is six. You're right, uh, Delika. And this was – this definitely – I don't want to say it didn't fit with the rest of the efforts. She took to that course a lot better than other horses did, right? She runs a 98 buyer to get the victory. Uh, that is her career best buyer, but not by much. You look at everybody else. I mean, you know, you go down to Family Way. Family Way has uh, – the Family Way has run well. You've got 102 for Princess Grace. You've got Regeer, who had a 97 on debut. Lily Pond, who came over from overseas. I can't imagine how that horse felt about this sort of course compared to what you've seen in Europe. Um, so she should be 8-1 to one in that spot, but she was able to get the job done. She also fought back. I mean, it was a pretty valiant effort down the lane to fight back and get the win. It was. Uh, speaking of horses that uh, took to it pretty well, let's talk about the other race, the other grade one race on the dirt. Uh, the Arlington Million, and uh, this one, listen, after we watched the literal merry-go-round of the first five horses, and we looked at this and thought, well, the two best horses in the Arlington Million are the two horses that are probably forwardly placed after we lost uh, Mega City. Uh, not a big surprise here, but I, I will say, let's ignore the buyer the buyer figure. Santine and Smooth Lake Straight, good efforts from them, and I think it Santine continues to rise with his star, and Smooth Lake Straight continues to be that horse that loves to run second. 
Yeah, key key underneath the exacta, and then go from there. I mean, I, I this was the race for me with smooth like straight had to win, and I, I had smooth like yep. straight in this race. And if you're going to win a race like this, this was the time. They went a little bit quick up front. I mean, twenty three and four is pretty fast for a mile and a quarter. But all things said, you got to get the job done here if you're smooth like straight, because really it's you trying to hold off Santine, and you're going to be able to set the pace and be comfortable up front. And if you can't do that, it's going to be tough for you to get the W here. And, and we talked about this going into it. Smooth like straight's lost to a lot of really good horses. Smooth Lake Straight has not beaten a lot of really good horses, though. And that's the problem is you keep running second or third to these very good horses. And when you're in a grade one, guess who shows up? Very good horses. So it's just it's tough for Smooth Lake Straight to get the job done, despite consistently being the bridesmaid. Yeah, I I think with him, you know, it's it, it not just fading wind wise, but I think as the year goes on and we get to, you know, we go back to Keeneland is probably where he'll go. Um, or maybe it goes back to Del- or San Diego City of Hope Mile, but. Uh, it's hard to figure out where this horse can go to win. Who's a million wide too? They have no interest in being on that rail. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, that's true. And, and by the way, that's like the uh, about almost where the inner rail was for the the Beverly D there because they again the turf course so shitty they had to split it up so nobody ran over it twice. Um, <laughs> admitting your mistake. Well, you're making it. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah. One horse I uh, take away from this. Let's yeah. go. I'm going to rewind this a little bit. The horse that loved Churchill Seppi. Downs and had absolutely no shot with his pace setup, set piece, the yeah. one horse, way back here. First of all, if you bet set piece in this race after watching race five, we need to have a talk after class. You're doing things <laughs> wrong. Um, so he's way back here. The fact that he closed from this far back, Mike, to be – he missed third, I think, by a head or something like that. On this course, it's damn impressive. Does this mean we might actually get a slightly better price on set piece next time? Well, I mean, probably not because a lot of people need their heads examined, apparently, because set piece went off the favorite in this race, um, which was wild to me. I was shocked that set piece was was the shortest price on the board. I, I don't disagree that set piece should have been the third price and could even be a competitive third. But to be the favorite after seeing that other race was was wild to me. Look, this horse... Kind of feels, and this is weird, it feels a little little bit like smooth like straight, where it runs a good race every time, but always has a reason why he can't win the race. And I'm kind of getting to the point where it's like, look, I'm just going to keep tossing set piece until set piece beast beats me, and then maybe I'll consider playing set piece again. Like Because the, the fact is, this horse just keeps getting bet. And if you look at the last, last what, five... No, now it's uh, when okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the last nine races. This horse has gone off favored. Include this one, it's eight of the last 10 that this horse has gone off favored. And when you look at that, and it only results in two wins in the last six, four in the last eight, but those other two were short price favorites in overnight listed stakes. The last six were all graded stakes, last seven were all graded stakes. In those graded stakes, gone off the favorite in five of the seven and won just twice. I mean, at that point, you, you, the horse is getting bet every race against great company. And yeah, like you look at the last race at Saratoga, the Forbidden Apple had every excuse. The trip was awful. Drew could not get the horse go open into any space at any point. But you know what? That's what closers do. They get bad trips sometimes. And so the way this horse keeps getting bet, the way Smooth Lake Straight keeps getting bet, I hope they end up in the same race together so I can fade both of them because it seems like that's what you have to do until they really beat you. And Smooth Lake Straight, I'm not sure will ever beat me. Um Outside of the dinner, he cost me a, the Breeders' Cup a couple of years back, finishing second. Last year, yeah, shouldn't have been, shouldn't have said second. That was the problem. Um, look, set piece, just, just if people keep betting him. You can't keep including him because he's just he should have been four or five to one in this spot, and he went off at two, as your two to one favorite. 
right? And that's that's the yeah. problem. It keeps getting overbet in these fields. Well, especially again, like if you watched what happened in race five, and you should have been, if you really wanted to bet that race, if you can, you should have watched race five because nobody knew what the turf horse was going to look like. And we all went, that's a highway. Nobody's passing anybody. Play smooth, like straight play, um, Santine. Yeah. The, the winner, and I couldn't remember poor Harris's name. Um, yeah, it's, I, and I'm with you. You know, if it's seven to two, even, I could see that. The other horses were two to one, but more money went on set piece. He was the favorite of the three of them. So, Oh, well, uh, listen, that, that's kind of it for the weekend. Uh, a little bit of a shorter show. We do have a lot coming this weekend. And, Mike, I do want to talk about uh, – we've mentioned before, you've actually given it out on the show, but at RacingDudes.com, we officially have your best bets for the NFL season for team totals. So you can check that out uh, over here at RacingDudes.com. But um, you can catch the re reaction and the replay for Costa Creed, for Delica. Uh, Jared has his top rankings for the Breeders' Cup distaff. And, of course, right there, the smiling faces of the Magic Mike Show. Well, you got to love the Magic Mike show. I mean, those are some beautiful faces there. And check out those abs while you're at it, right? Um, yeah, look, we got a lot coming this week. It's going to be fun. We'll be back with Dudes Who Bet Daily Wednesday through Sunday, noon Eastern. Uh, going to be best bets from Saratoga Delmar around the sports world. Excited to get the NFL back here. We're into the second week of the preseason now. It's an interesting first week, so we'll have to unpack some of that at some point here as well. Um, and, and then, yeah, like the trip trouble videos are going to come hot and heavy here. I don't know if you uh, realize, but Luago, who was what, a 20 to one shot trip trouble video that we put out uh, at stable them up one at four to five this weekend at Monmouth dropped back down to claiming and one. If we go back to allowance, I'm still interested in this horse. I'm just not sure what price we're going to get. We've got a couple up from Saratoga as well for the stable them up last week. I'm going to try and put out a couple more stable them up videos. And then we're also starting to release our top five contenders for each division inside the breeders cup. So start checking those out. I got to sign the two-year-old. So I got to do a little bit of digging here, but we didn't mention one two-year-old that we probably should at least mention over at, uh, at Del Mar as well, who ran this weekend cave rock cave rock. Cave Rock. Okay. I was worried. Yeah. I almost said Cave Run. Cave Rock debuts the 101 buyer for Bob Baffert. Looks phenomenal, too. Uh, it, so it looks like Bob Baffert has another horse of a lifetime. 101 buyer is a two year old. I can't remember the last time I saw that. Three year olds, we've seen the, the, the 100 plus buyer, but 101 for right. a two year old is like, because obviously Justified did it. Hidden Scroll did it. We just saw Charlatan. Charlatan did it all at three. Two year olds going 101 is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, and I know it wasn't the latest one to do it. McLean's music is always the one I think of that did it. Had that huge like one ten buyer, and then it was never seen again um, until the breeding shed. Uh, I'll pull it up right here. That's why I'm, I'm killing time until I can find it. Here we go. Uh, that was a very impressive effort. We can watch the replay for it, especially because there is another horse in there that um, I think you should pay attention to. Trying to get two turns, I didn't want him in here at one turn. Um, that's the, of course, uh, the seven ultimate game who ultimately finishes fourth after chasing him. Uh, that's a horse that Mark Latt said would be great at two turns. Um, they just need to get something in it. But yeah, watch the two horse here for Bob Baffer, who, by the way, he, he wins with this horse. And then the same owners, um, who they, they were the McKinsey's owners, um, among other horses for Baffert, they came back and won the best pal stakes on Sunday. Yeah. Make sure I didn't say Sorrento. Can you actually go back to the start real quick, too? Sure. I'm, I'm gonna. I, I did stables. I'm. Gonna, I'm not gonna do a stable them up from this race, but I did stable up the eight horse here. Practical move. Um, this is a Tim Yakteen first time starter. He's four percent with first time starters. He's twelve percent second out, and his percentages continue to improve. So he runs horses into it a little bit more. I love practical joke as a sire. The eight horse practical move breaks poorly in this spot. And ends up running second to Cave Rock here. So the eight. It was 24 to one on this day is a horse that I stabled up out of this race. Cause I think he'll be a little interesting uh, coming back here. 
It's hard to tell from the uh, the head on there that he he broke very slowly. I'll show it, but you can see it better here um, when they come out of the gate here. But yeah, he's already slow. He just kind of gets slow. out by a pen. Yeah, uh, yeah. But Yakteen not great first out, so he's that's that's a Yakteen horse I'm interested in second out when we get to hopefully get some type of price back on him. But we'll see if after running second to Cave Rock. Yeah, the uh, it's twenty four to one there. I don't know. We'll see what that turns out to be. Uh, I fast forward a little bit. It was just a, it was a very impressive effort. Um, this isn't uh, of the Baffert two-year-olds. And by the way, he's been very tight-lipped about most of them. Uh, this wasn't one of the ones that I had heard some, heard a lot of going reviews about. Um, his workouts coming in weren't screaming like A-plus is off the page. But, I mean, you see how professional he is. Uh, JJ just pulls out the whip but doesn't, doesn't even touch him. I think he had it just in case he needed it. But, yeah. Solid finish there. I mean, they are two years old, so you you know, seeing the fact that he his final times there, it was an easy win for him. It looked strong. I don't know about one hundred and one buyer, but I'm also not a figure maker. I don't. I thought it was great. One hundred and one to me screams like hall, you know, potential hall of famer here. Yeah, it seems a little tough. Um, I, I wonder if it's because the two year olds running six and a half furlongs just isn't that that common, so it's harder to make a figure for it. By the way, how do you make figures for those two Arlington races? Sorry, I back on the like, it's ridiculous to think that you can even come up with buyers for that because you have zero comparison because there is no comparison to that turf course. You only have the two races that ran that day. Anyway, um, yeah, one hundred one seemed a little bit high. It did seem a little bit high um, for that that effort, but it, it was a phenomenal effort and and. We'll see what, what again what's behind it. But I actually thought there were a couple good horses in that race. So to be able to run away from that field like that was really impressive. I'm sure we'll see that one out in the graded stakes next time. Speaking of the Arlington figures, so Santine, uh, they both go mile and an eighth. Santine wins in 146.8. Delica wins in 146.3. Yet Delica gets a 98. Santine gets a 106. Uh, no, <laughs> just no. no. No, no, no figures count for that race. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Uh, like never run on that turf course before ever. You have two. you have to make a figure. You have no clue how it plays, how fast or how slow it is. Like obviously it plays towards speed. Like it's just, how do you possibly do that? You, you're literally guessing at that point. Charles says the stretch the theme song back out. My dog misses howling so long to the lyrics. He says, I saw that comment before too. That made me laugh. Hey, listen, we might, sometimes, you know, one of us is trying to do something as the theme song is playing. It might be one of those times if I'm like, hey, I'm running late from the bathroom. We're going to do a, 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 the extended Todd, one here. Do you want the extended one? Look at that. Hall of Fame pet trainer Todd Pletcher wants the extended theme song. I, I'm not the one that asked for the shorter one. What can I say? Hall of Famers <laughs> chiming in here. That's true. Um, Tyler Bays, I don't know if you saw this. But I've been bringing this up real quick. Uh, disappeared. Don't really know what's going on. He is named back on his mounts Thursday, but he... What was it? Thursday, he just didn't show up. And then by the seventh race, he finally called the stewards and said he just was, he needed the weekend off. So, uh, yeah, not sure what's going on. I know he's had some personal, Jackie's people on the backside, they leave some rough lives. There's a lot of personal shit that goes on. It's not easy being a jockey either. I mean, I, like, I, I can't imagine the rigors of it because you got to get your ass up early in the morning to ride these horses. And it's it's not a, a easy profession in general from a physical capabilities perspective and you have to stay under a certain weight when you're burning a shitload of calories like i, I can't imagine yeah. how difficult it is to actually be a jockey and do it for years and years and years and years and not have some type of um struggles at some point so tyler bays began riding in 1999 when he was 17 actually 16 
It would yeah, have that's been the crazy part. A lot of these jockeys start like late teens, right? They're like not even out of high school and they're starting to ride at, at the high levels of the, of the sport. Like, it can't be easy either. Because you get it. I remember when I made $30,000 and I was 18, I thought it was all the money in the freaking world. Like, I, I can't imagine how some of these guys who make a good amount of money and then have to keep weight and go through all this and like, I got to be tough lives. Well, you know it's not a tough life, Mike. On Thursday, we're going to have another episode of the Magic Mike Show. It's going to be a special episode. It's going to be number 400. Um, I'll be honest. I don't have anything special planned yet. I, I haven't really thought about it yet. Well, should we do an AMA? Or should we do a – do you want to, like, insert an AMA on Wednesday maybe and then do the do a full pod on Thursday for, for cross-country or something? problem with the AMAs is we get, like – I love everybody who shows up for them, but we get, like – 10, 12 people asking questions and it's hard to, what if we do an AMA throughout the, 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 the podcast on Thursday? Okay. I'm down we'll with do, that. We'll do like one race and then we'll do like a, a question and we'll have to try and answer it like real quick and then we'll move on to the next one. So if anyone listening wants to submit questions before Thursday, contact at racingdudes.com, send in your questions. We'll answer as many as we can on Thursday for the 400 show and we'll weave in either a late pick four or cross country pick five, one of the two. Yeah. Uh, by the way, this weekend, let's take a look. Uh, Alabama Stakes, Nest versus Secret Oath, the rematch. Uh, that's happening. Delmar Oaks is on uh, Saturday as well. And speaking of that, I will be at Delmar. I'm going down Saturday uh, to Delmar for my trip this summer. So that'll be exciting. Taking the train down, hang out with John Lees for a bit. That'll be fun. Um, we've got that going on. And then the Lake Placid Saturday at Saratoga. And then on Sunday is the Queen's Plate. So, uh, you know, we'll have to talk some Queen's Plate on Thursday, too. I mean, you're crushing it north of the border with CFL anyway, so I figure we got to integrate Woodbine in here somewhere. I do want to know the answer to this. Magic, what is your favorite sandwich? Oh, no. Shadi just opened up a can of... Like, I have to be careful here. Um, My favorite sandwich without grilled meat or cooked meat is a... Uh, I just love a peanut butter and jelly. I can get down with the peanut butter and jelly all day. I you're not. I know you're allergic to nuts, so I understand wait, wait, that. Wait, why is why are you eliminating cooked meat from favorite sandwich? Because a cheeseburger is my favorite sandwich, Mike. But I also love a lot. Of, there's the debate about is that a sandwich or not? Is that a and then she's is it meat between bread? Yeah. Yeah. Then That's it's a sandwich. I, yeah. Exactly. This is. I don't is, want that. There's not a debate. There's some dumb people that think a hamburger is not a sandwich. That's all it is. Okay, it's not a debate. It's, it's people lacking common sense. When you define a sandwich. A sandwich is meat between bread with some other shit, right? So, therefore, is a taco a sandwich? Because it's flour, tortilla, which is a form of bread, and there's the meat and other shit that's in between. See, I would... This is why I didn't want to do this. I, okay, I, I, had, I had not thought about the is a taco a sandwich before, because a hot dog is a sandwich. So, I'm going to say, yeah, yes. a taco is a sandwich. It follows okay. the same sandwich characteristics. If you look at things like... Like if you look at ravioli, ravioli is the same as uh, as uh, what was a little uh, dumpling. As it's like in each culture, they have yes. their own version of ravioli. So you, they, they're all the same thing, right? In the, each culture, you have your own version of a sandwich. Like that. So to me, yes, a taco is a sandwich. Oh, Doctor Tang, come on, stick to cancer, man. Like a burger is a sandwich. It's not even close. It's not even debatable. It's meat between two pieces of bread. You, you said it before I could. Uh, the quesadilla it, sandwich, yes. Yeah. Well, yeah, yes, because it's yeah. it's like it's, if a grilled cheese is a sandwich, a quesadilla is a sandwich. That okay? Can you tell my wife because I made that literal exact same argument? I was like, it's a. It, I said, is it grilled cheese with a different type of bread? That is all that is. 
See, this is why we need AMAs because this point is actually a lot of fun to talk about. Chris, uh, Chris Maiello, shots fired. Comment of the day: Chris Maiello says, "This is how you ended up betting English beef fifty times." I, to be Incredible. fair, it was only like thirty. <laughs> so you know, but that, hey, I, I I'm going to stand by the taco take. I will stand by the quesadilla take. Uh, I'm <laughs> I'm the fan of the Italian. I like the big Italian subs. Like if you can find me a good delicatessen mm-hmm. that makes a good Italian sub, that is my favorite sandwich. We went to the uh, we escaped to the ocean. Uh, went down to Playa del Vista um, or Playa del Rey last uh, yesterday, and went to the morning. Went to the grocery store and just got like the pre-made deli ones, which aren't nearly as good as like you know get a real deli doing it. But even then, it was I got the, it was it was the the po' boy. It was like the ham, the turkey. The um, I can't say that the pe- I, whatever that there's an Italian meat that starts with a P. I can never say so. Nobody name a horse after. And I don't ever want to have to say that. Not prosciutto. It's piccola, pico something. I got nothing. That's very different. If I'm picking like, if if you had to only eat one type of food for the rest of your life, sandwich would probably be my pick. I mean, I love, I love soup, but you have such versatility when it comes to sandwiches of what you can have in there. You can have some good, good, nice grilled steak. You can have fish. You got like, there's so many different options. I would, I would probably say if I had to do something, sandwich would be the one type. Like if you're thinking it's pasta, it's sandwich. If you have all these different versions, I think sandwich would be my pick. So I want to know not not the Italian sub has roast beef, but if you eat a roast beef sandwich and you have Swiss cheese on it, how is that not a cheeseburger? You're literally just eating the same thing. It was Come just cooked, it was cooked a while ago, not right now, right? That's all it is. Right. That, that's the only yes. difference. Yeah, it's like it's no, like I'm when you go to man. Taco Bell. It's the same six ingredients. Do you want it fried or baked? Do you want it corn or flour? Do you want beef or chicken? There are good fish sandwiches out there. It has to be done right, but there are good ones out there. Like I have had a very good spicy salmon burger before. That was an excellent sandwich. There's different ways that you can make fish sandwiches good. I agree with you in general. Fish salmon, fish sandwich is not wonderful. There's also some good fried fish sandwiches out there as well. Patty melt is a sandwich. That's just a burger between toast instead of a bun. That's fine. Um, I do want to call out too. Uh, where is he? Uh, Leonard living large here. Philly steak and cheese, uh, maybe a lobster roll. I've never had a lobster roll in my life. Still, are you frozen? Do we lose you? No, I'm just shocked. Oh, How have you never oh. had a lobster roll? Like that's ridiculous. I'm not a big seafood person. That's like, I'll eat it. Like, I love sushi, but it's, you know, beyond that. Shrimp, they have, nah, they, have the, they have the Brothers Lobster Truck at Santa Anita, which was on uh, uh, Shark Tank. They have a good lobster roll. It, it's delicious. You get, okay. you, it's just, it's bread, lobster, and butter. Like, how can that shit not be good? See, but I'm not a huge lobster person. That's why I'm like, all right. Well, I, I get that. If you're not a big lobster person, the price kind of d- dictates it's not the best idea for you right and i don't want if i'm buying a lobster roll for 350 it's either going to be this small or i'm going to spend 350 minutes in the bathroom afterwards so yeah, yeah. this see this is the thing like you looked frozen i really thought that you were frozen no so i live in Cal- uh lobsters are from maine not california i think it was the <laughs> seafood have- comment you don't love seafood that much california oh, is like literally the yeah. best state in the u.s for seafood Fun fact, the first time I ever had seafood, purposely ordered seafood at a restaurant was on a date in Marina Del Rey when I came to visit my not wife. So you never I can do it. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. It was the first time I purposely ordered seafood in a restaurant. How many, ten, times I mean, you, how many times did you order seafood on accident in a restaurant prior to that? <laughs> do you keep Listen, ordering shrimp and not really realizing it was seafood? <laughs> like 
I'll take the tuna. Oh shit, that's a fish. Like what? what how do you like what I happened? I thought here? that my I thought that my French would translate well in, in when we were in Germany. I was wrong. Okay, so all right. First time you'd see food at a restaurant was in Germany. Interesting. Uh, all right. Listen, they, this was fun. So this is, listen, the one comment about a sandwich turned into all of this fun. Uh, so please join us for Magic Mike Show episode 400. We'll have a lot of fun. Uh, we appreciate you guys joining us. Um, either Saratoga or cross country. I don't know. Saratoga is going to be part of it. That's for sure. Yeah, I kind of like the cross country more because I'm, I'm afraid we're going to have some short fields in that Saratoga. Play pick five. Like the Alabama, the Alabama yeah. won't be part of it. That's, that's true. Let's, let's see what the selection is, and then we'll we'll say it on Twitter, basically what what we're gonna go with. But yeah, let's let's. I want to make sure we get some full fields for episode four hundred, so we can bring back a banger. <laughs> there you go. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at Curtis Pellard. He is at some about eighteen number one number eight corporate overlords at racing underscore dudes. Remember visit racingdudes.com for free picks every race, every track across the country, and then Wednesday through Sunday, uh, dudes who bet daily at noon Eastern live at youtube.com slash racing dudes. Mike, it has been fun. Magic was this last time at dinner. Didn't eat a single piece of sushi with us at a sushi restaurant. Here's the thing. He didn't drink my sake son either. <laughs> my son was like a couple of months old. This was the first time I really left the house since he'd been born. And I was still amazed at the sunshine and the people that were out and about. Like alcohol and food. No, that was like too much, too much overload for magic. I was we met Dr. Tang. I'm trying to like I'm trying to remember how to be a sociable person. Like it was a difficult time. That was an excellent sushi restaurant too. Sasabun outside of Santa Monica. Very good sushi if you're in LA. They got a lunch special for 20 bucks. It's delicious. Just throwing it out. The one thing the one thing I remember the most about that uh dinner is we were all we're dads and we're all talking about our kids. The first time we met is uh, Dr. Tang, like I said. And so everybody's talking about their kids and I've got the youngest one. And so you guys are showing your kids and you guys are like asking me and I'm so exhausted. I'm just trying to pay attention to what everybody's saying. And I was like, Oh yeah, he's good. And then like an hour later I'm driving home and I'm like, everybody was passing around photos of their kids. I must've been a real asshole for just being like, yeah, no, my kid's good. And didn't like, I'm not showing you to him. No, we're good. Yeah, I, I just figured you weren't very proud of him. So. Oh, oh, that's a good one. That's we're good. Out of here on that one. That's a great one. We'll be back on Thursday. Please join us then. Until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week, everybody. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb. Because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.